Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. My guests today are Johnny and Youssef from propanefitness.com, and it's an end-of-year recap episode. We're going to talk about our favorite lessons, hacks, and stories from 2021. So today, you can expect to learn why Youssef spent Christmas praying to Haspelar, Johnny's strategy for becoming more productive by taking things out of your life, the ultimate reason to do simple tasks as soon as they appear, why moral tastes explain the explosive reactions we've seen this year, how extracting yourself from your business might make it more effective, and much more. If you're thinking, oh, an end of year review, fucking good idea that, wish I'd done one, you still have time. Head to chriswillx.com slash review. You can get the free annual review template, which is the exact process that me and Yusuf and Johnny use every single year to review our lessons from the last 12 months and set goals and put a plan in place for the year that is coming up. chriswillx.com slash review. But now it's time to review one hell of a year with Johnny and Yusuf. How was Christmas? Did you do anything interesting? So I just did, this was my first Christmas not in a hospital, which was nice. So just spent some family time. I did all the, the Christmas man things, cranberry like? sauce, turkey, wrapping paper, all of it. Did you carve the turkey? Carved the turkey, did the special say grace to Santa at the beginning. <laughs> That's right, isn't it? Is this what, is this what someone who's Muslim <laughs> thinks that white Muslim people do. <laughs> this is what white people do at Christmas. They pray to the turkey, and then you have the star, which is Hezbollah, and he sits on the top of the tree. <laughs> and you oh, have to good. say it's grace to Hezbollah, and then everybody does bad dance moves uh, and invades a country, and then you're allowed to eat. Yeah, and then you. No, that's you. That's your people. The dinga 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 dinga. That's. That's what you you guys do. Is this your first experience of a Christmas celebration, or have you had more than, than this? I think one of. Yeah, first. Well, it's like, one of it's one of everybody's though, isn't it? True. I think it was the highest Santa rating of all the Christmases that I've had. Like the most Santa. Really full, full beans. Yeah. Full Sprouts Santa. Well. None of the food the food items do not have anything to do with Santa. I need you to get. You need to separate, separate the these two, two things out. The- Haspelar, Santa, <laughs> and the food items are. Th- where Haspelar's come from. Three, I like it. The three um, separate. The food is a bit rubbish as well. Like Christmas cake. No, if it was nice, it would be available for sale the rest of the year. No, that's ridiculous. You can't say that. You could, like, like, for example, Easter well, eggs. Easter eggs are nice, but they're not for sale for the rest of the year. Cream eggs are nice. So Easter cream eggs, eggs are available nice, all year round. That's because they're just a different shape of. Hang on, cream <laughs> eggs are available all year round. Yes, they're the one. They're the one type of egg outside of the egg world, the legitimate egg world. Along with mini eggs. Actually, yeah, mini <laughs> eggs are also available. This it's quite. A, so, so th- I feel like we've talked about this before, but there's a guy online who made. So he bought an Easter egg cream egg, and he was disappointed because it was a hollow, large chocolate with little cream eggs inside and he was like no 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 i can't be having this so he bought 37 small cream eggs and made a solid 
Easter egg. Which probably weighed about two kilos, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolute diabetes, but <laughs> he did it. So, uh, to the Johnny, what did, what did you do? Not much, really. I went to my parents. I prayed to Santa. And Hasbullah. And, uh, and Hasbullah. <laughs> Hasbullah. And, uh, yeah, very, quite a quiet Christmas, actually. It was quite nice. Do you get anything cool? Um, Do you get any nice presents? No. Socks. Socks. You get yeah, Lynx all... Africa socks and handkerchiefs. Nice. That's always the, the treat. Yeah. I think once you cross 30, that's all presents become. Yes. Isn't it? And you're, you're actually a bit pleased about all of them as well. well the saddest thing is the, is the joy that you take from thinking, I don't need to buy shower gel for the next couple of months. <laughs> I, got, I got four by 500 mils of shower gel this year, two litres of shower gel. You, you... do con- Christmas... Condiments, not condiments. What's the word? Stuff um, that you put on your body. Yeah, toiletries. Yeah, there's a word beginning with con something. Conf- uh, confectionery. Ah, oh, what is it? People listening will be like toilet to- toiletries. <laughs> you do them by the gallon. Are they all? Tre- the are they all Tresemme? <laughs> this is a sto- are, this they? is a story because I tried to transport two liters of Tresemme shampoo to Iceland when we were traveling over there, and we had to dump them in a bin. Chris took a, a hair salon's worth of <laughs> hair product in his suitcase and then wondered why it was over the limit for weight. Yeah, the lady, so they, the Edinburgh lady wasn't happy, was she? What, how was your Christmas? Other than getting a lot of shampoo. Good, man. I got... I, I've eaten a lot. I've had... I'm surprised I didn't PB in the gym today because there was a lot of calories behind those lifts. An awful lot. A lot of swelling yes yeah extra extra water yeah very much so it was good it was good i got a new backpack i got some cool shit that i've been after for, for a little while and i fell asleep at like 7 p.m every day just a classic yeah. british christmas you know just it phasing in and out of consciousness based on where your blood sugar's at and then <laughs> as you dip as you dip down you realize that you've fallen asleep again and you wake up you, you wake up watching fantastic beasts or whatever. Where to find them? <laughs> yeah, that's a very good summary. I for, the the falling asleep thing's weird because even after a night of like eight and a half hours, it still gets to like six thirty, and I'm still sort of like Whoa. nodding off on the sofa. Yeah, well, you're also and not you're like, used what? to having over two hundred grams of sugar in a single that's day. That's true. In a single in a bowl, in a yes. single meal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I believe the word was cosmetics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, I can relax now. Frantically. Nothing worse. At the start of a podcast as well, you'd be like, the whole time, you'd, Chris would be like, well, what's your lesson for the year? But like, Fuck. Don't sorry, know, mate. Don't know. I've got no lessons. Of my brain's taken up searching for this one word now. So, uh, Okay, so we're going to do lessons from 2021. A couple of lessons that we've taken away each. I did a big 400th episode, 19 lessons from 400 episodes. The reason that it was 19... Nothing special about that, but we can go through some of the things that we've taken away from this year. Also, if anybody wants to do an end-of-year review and hasn't done yet, they can go and get my template, which is free, chriswillex.com slash review. It's the exact process that I follow, and I think you do as well, Seth. I think it's the same yeah. one that you use every year to kind of round out the lessons from the previous year and then set some plans and goals and stuff like that for what's coming up. So I guess some of the things that we talk about today may have been brought out by that, but I haven't done mine yet. So I, I still need to do my end of year review. So Johnny, so I've, I've actually done it every year since last year. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow, indeed. If that's not the testimonial that I've always wanted, <laughs> there we go. Uh, Johnny, what have you got? What's your first lesson from 2021? There's the hot potato. There it is. Fresh out the oven. Um, so the I have actually done my end of year review like a, like a good boy because I thought that would be that's the whole point of this episode, but you know, no problem. Um, I think, uh, I, I mean, I might have said this on a life hack before, but the just the idea of like taking something away. So if you, I think a lot of people who listen to these episodes, I imagine probably do or try and do a lot of things, whether it's like personal development or hobbies, or if you run a business, you're probably trying lots of different stuff. If you're trying to like build a build your own podcast or or do similar to what what we do in propane, you've got like a lot of a lot of things that you're trying to juggle. Um, and I think it's very hard when you're doing a, re- a review process like this and planning the next year to think, oh well, because you naturally just think, oh, I want to do more of all, all of it and get all of it all of it better and hit PBs and all of it. Um, but it's very hard to know whether any of it's working. So stuff that I've done throughout this year, some of it's forced, some of it's not forced was stopping doing a few things. And I think you either realize just how much of an impact it has and you're even more convinced on it, like more convinced than you never be. Or you're like, actually, you know what? I stopped that and I didn't really notice anything. So two examples for me from that were um, when I, um, so I didn't train when I had COVID or I had a cold, like a really bad cold in December, didn't train again. Both times, like, cause sometimes I think like, oh, it'd be nice to have a month off training. It'd be nice to have, a bit of time where I don't have to go to the gym. When I'm forced to not train, you realize just how many things, and you said this before, Chris, just how many things it impacts you. Um, stopping meditating for a while, realizing how much of an effect that has when you don't do it. Um, but for example, things like a gratitude journal or journaling in general, when I stop doing that, I don't notice that much. Um, so taking things away, and then there's loads of examples on the business side as well of stuff we've stopped this year, like we stopped the podcast. And only when we started getting people saying, like, where's the podcast, have we decided to, to bring it back in again? Um, so, yeah, just t- testing something, whether something's actually helping or not by practicing not doing it for a while, batting yourself from doing it. It's like an cool. elimination diet, but for your daily productivity system. Yeah, or, or anything. Um, like even as, as down, like certain exercises or like try not squatting for a while, see what happens, see if you notice anything, for example. Um yeah. Well, we never know, right? This is this is the fucking thing. You never know what is contributing to your success or failure in life until you start to take things away. Because if you add stuff in, and this is always the problem, whenever someone says, "Oh man, you've you, you really look like you've made great progress in the gym during the first quarter of this year. What is it that you've done that's caused that progress?" And you're like, "Bro, I have no idea. I did ten things. I mm. did I did a bunch of different things. My diet's changed. My sleep's changed. My programming's changed. This has changed." Or it's what you did in Q4 the year prior and Just actually what you Latent what gains. Done. Yeah. It's the worst nightmare. Stopping doing things that are working forever. Terrible. But yeah, so um, first lesson is um, I think when you're planning next year, pick one thing to deliberately stop doing for a while. So Especially if it's something you're not quite so. I think we've all got that thing in our like morning routine or life where we're not quite sold on it, but maybe do it because we think we have to. Just try not doing it. Like for example, I tried n- not tracking my calories while I was dieting for a period of time this year to see if I could get away with it, and I can't. Categorically, <laughs> some people can. 
<laughs> Some people can. And I listened, I listened to this podcast and I was like, it was so convincing. It was with Eric Helms and a dietitian. And they were like, not tracking is way better than tracking. Just like, eat wow, by feel, basically. So yeah, that sounds so much better. Tried it for a month, gained weight. I was like, right, <laughs> lesson learned. Yeah. Back to tracking. Yeah. It, it really depends on, because I, I think we're all, we're probably front running Chris's uh, lesson for, for the year, actually, because I, I know you mentioned this when I saw you last, last week. But I guess it depends on, do you value the progress or do you value the lesson more? And that's, I guess, short versus long term. So as you say, if you're doing a training program that is just throwing the kitchen sink at it and hoping that you get big, you might be happy with the fact that you got big and not really wonder about whether it was the split squats or whether it was the the lateral raises or whatever. But as Johnny says, like, if you're interested in continuing to make progress, it's useful to know <laughs> which part mm. of it was helpful and which part wasn't. So it's a, I think it's in software design, they call it like exploit versus explore. Is that right? Something like that. So you yeah. go through like a phase where you're like trying to find your, like your best of, and then putting all of your resources into the best of rather than it being more diffuse. Cause you've already got so many units of like time, energy, attention. Yeah. Like it's, it's nice to say like, Oh, let's just do the maximalist approach. Just do everything hard mm. all of the time and <laughs> you'll make progress. Yeah. But um, you know, the, the book recommendation, from last year, Chris, Essentialism, um, is a book that I think I'm going to need to read a few times. And it covers Johnny's, uh, Johnny's lesson there called The Negative Pilot, where you take something that you're doing and you say, right, I'm going to actively not do that and see what happens. And I suppose that's similar to what you were saying about choose what you're going to suck at or choose oh, what man. you're going to yeah. fail so at. I, Johnny, as you've been saying that, one of the lessons that I have this year overlaps with what you're talking about and then one of the ones that just didn't make today's list but now has made today's list because you've basically brought it up oliver berkman who wrote four thousand weeks um he says in advance of making goals you need to choose what you're going to fail at because a lot of the time when you decide to focus your attention on something inevitably that takes your attention away from other things then as you notice that those other areas start to slip you feel the fomo and you think oh fuck 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 i know that i said that i was going to focus on uh, getting into a relationship or socializing more with my friends, but I've noticed that my condition's dropping because I'm not going to the gym as much or I'm not making as much money because I'm spending more uh, more cash on nights out and stuff like that. So then you alter your perspective and you start to try and just do everything at once. The fear of losing gains in certain areas mitigates your ability to focus on one area in any case. And that, that's like, it's so hard to let that go because we want, as you say, that maximalist approach. Everybody's looking for... Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I know. I know like the normie NPC version of this is that I need to focus and I'm going to have to let some areas fall behind. But how do I get everything at once? It's like, no, you, you can't do that. You can't really lose fat and gain muscle and get a girlfriend and save for a house. And, for, you know, you can't do all of these things at once. What is the What are the priorities that you really, really care about? It's exactly that. You look at people and you go, oh, no, that's just recommendation for for the re- you know that's the su- suggested serving size no 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 bollocks to that I'm- <laughs> i mean i mean the whole i mean the whole thing yeah. <laughs> on the whole fucking box yeah man well, i mean my to, to run off the back of that one johnny my first one is a quote from john maxwell which summarizes greg McEwen's essentialism perfectly you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything and that's john maxwell <laughs> what based- a nipple twister of a quote it's- right, can you say that again you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. 
you cannot not underestimate uh, no. the unimportance of not everything. You, you, look, you're confusing everyone. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. You're being you're, you're down in Surrey and you know that I can't get to you. That's haram. Um, so the, yeah, my, my realization for this year is that the ultimate productivity system is to get really clear about what you want and then to ruthlessly cull everything else. Like if you really, really want to make progress in a particular area, just forget about the other things. Forget about the FOMO, forget about the failure. And that Oliver Berkman thing plays a part of this, right? Like choose what you want to suck at. So for me this year, I really, really wanted to rehabilitate my Achilles and to get my lower back into a place where it's super, super stable and I can start to build a a good training program in 2022. So I knew that my condition was going to drop this year. I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to look a bit shittier than I usually will do. And maybe my lifts and my strength and maybe training is going to be a bit boring. But okay, like when I notice that, when that arises and I think, oh, I don't look as big or I'm, I, my lifts aren't as strong or training sucks a bit, that's the price. That's the entry price that I was prepared to pay in order to make the progress I wanted to make. And it helps to mitigate that short and long-term thing as well. It helps to keep you in a long-termist mindset. It's like, look, you, w- you wouldn't have a problem with dieting for one week before you go away on holiday. But talking about doing a rehabilitation plan for an entire year so that your training for the next five years can be really, really strong, there's there's like a, a time discounting problem that we have with that, right? You just think, oh, it's so long. It shouldn't take this long. But you go, look, the body takes a fair bit of time to recover. So yeah, you cannot over, overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. The ultimate productivity system is to get really clear about what you want and then to ruthlessly cull everything else. And the only way that you can get really clear is to do something like an end-of-year review, to look at what what are the lessons I've learned from this year? What are the single goals that I want? Health, relationships, career, uh, and personal growth. Like the four areas, just single North Star for each of those. And if you got those by the end of the year, you would be so buzzing with your achievements because there's going to be tons of downstream things that you can't predict in any case. You don't need to say, oh, I want to learn a new skill or try a new sport because you're just going to do that as a byproduct of existing. You don't, that doesn't need to be on the list. It's like, what's the real, real big change that I want to make? The forcing function change. And uh, yeah, that's it's so funny how um, both of our lessons for this year have been to do with taking more away rather than adding more in. Yeah, I think um, that feels just like the phase we're at, though. Like, you know, I think you, you, you go through it. When you go through any sort of personal development journey, I think the first phase of it is just doing absolutely everything and adding, adding, adding. And you end up with a five hour morning. You end up with m- most of your day being your morning routine. Correct. And then you're like, hang on a second. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I've got, I, I spent half up- an hour sorting my spreadsheet to track my sleep data that's been output by my whoop and my aura ring to make sure that i yeah it's definitely right well actually i could have just slept another 30 minutes yes yeah precisely (laughs) precisely yeah it's um do you think you know how girls that spend lots of time together their period cycles their menstrual cycles tend to align do you think that we have productivity cycles that have aligned because of the same reason i would say so that's real science as well right that's not Bro science, Yusuf. Real science, doctor approved. Thank like, you. What, that your productivity mesocycles align. <laughs> align up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you also, you're more productive when it's the full moon because the oh, I certainly am. gravitational pull <laughs> on the, the, the lunar energy. Because of chakras. Yes. Uh, so that's mine. Yusuf, what you got? So this actually leads on to very nicely um, this one, but 
you have to do the negative pilot stuff first. You have to know what you're exploiting before you do this tip. So if you're not doing that, do negative pilot, pause the podcast. And now for four weeks. Yeah, for four weeks, do that. <laughs> eliminate everything. So one, once At you know what it is that, yeah, what it is that you should be doing, usually the first thing that comes up is, oh, well, I, I don't have time to be doing that thing. And we know from the the last few chats we've had, we've always kind of circled back to screen time, is that usually if you say you haven't got time to do something and you look at your screen time and you see how many hours you're binging away on stupid apps, you you probably do have the time. So then the next question is, rather than try, or the next thing to do is, rather than trying to increase your reading speed or how efficient your training is or how high quality your meditation is by using your binaural beats and your infrared helmet and all this stuff, sometimes you don't need the life hack. You just need to do more of the thing that you know that you should be doing. And I think sometimes the mindset of maximizing the speed and things means that we end up actually cutting corners on just the total volume of time that we spend doing something give us an example so so trying to listen to i'm 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 so guilty of it listening to things on two or three times speed and therefore spending less time actually listening to something rather than saying no i'm going to dedicate an hour and a half two hours to actually get through a book or um you know, rather than trying to use the Muse headset and the biofeedback and all that, like, no, no, I'm, it's, I'm better off meditating for 40 minutes a day than trying to get like 10 minutes of pristine quality meditation. Or, you know, um, people do it with training quite a lot as well. Like, you know, you see the guy come in with his compression um, occlusion, uh, occlusion training, and it, like all these kind of advanced techniques, but he's not, he's missing 20% of his sessions. So. The, the overarching theme there is really stop trying to perfect your form if you aren't actually doing the reps in the first place. Obviously, both are important, but quantity and quality are both needed. And if you let one slip, then you're losing a big side of the equation. So like reading about meditation versus just using that time to meditate. So, yeah, I, I read so many books about meditation when i look back on them like a lot of them were saying kind of the same thing and it's difficult because you know there are there's the occasional book that you're like whoa that was a game changer that's really leveled it up and you know what was one of those books for you so for the standard vipassana mindfulness meditation i think mindfulness in plain english is very good for concentration meditation ajahn brahm's book called mindfulness bliss and beyond i think even though it's not about mindfulness <laughs> it's about <laughs> the other side of meditation is fantastic cool um, so um one of the just the, the kind of top quote from that was that enlightenment comes from the soaring summits of silence within nice i don't know what it means but it's nice it sounds nice. great though doesn't it it yeah, sounds <laughs> great yeah i um I think that it is a blending between those two, right? And Chris Sparks, a couple of years ago, said to us, in order to pick something up, you have to put something down. So when you're thinking about adding stuff into your productivity system or your daily routine or your habits or your life for next year, you have to presume that the amount of time that you spend being productive is the amount of time that you have. If you just think, oh, I'll add this in and I'll downregulate my sleep or upregulate my efficiency to be able to fit in 
playing rugby, you know, joining a rugby team and training two nights a week and a, a Saturday well, afternoon. A massive one. You know, people will have like all the sleep kit and the like the Ben Greenfield magnetizer for your mattress and the, the sleep mask and all this stuff, but they're doing six hours. And they'll be in bed for six hours. Yeah, precisely. Go to fucking bed for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that's good. I, I had an experience, this was like years ago, with Eric Holmes, my coach, saying to me, he banned me from asking him any questions about carb backloading and carb timing. <laughs> Because it was like, if you you cannot send me a message, an email asking me about carb timing while you are hungover, like you are completely missing the point. <laughs> when, when like you've missed today's training session, you're because you're hungover, and you're asking me about timing your carbs. Like there's a, exactly there's a layer. There it's kind of like this is like a keep it simple, stupid approach, right? Stop this, fucking this sweating so, the small stuff. We know a guy, Johnny and I, for, who is is huge and if he's listening he'll know who he is we saw him in the gym and johnny was chatting to him about his training program and it turns out he's just done five three one for several years but wasn't like, that what you said on, on a life hacks a little while ago if you could go back 10 years ago or 15 years ago and give yourself one piece of advice it would be oh sorry two pieces of advice it would be buy bitcoin and do five three one with progressive <laughs> overload as your training I mean, program for the next 12 years you'd be massive and rich you'd have a pretty good time in your 30s wouldn't you <laughs> the the challenge is what's the what is the like 45 year old version of you would Saying say to you that, now like what's that piece of advice for now do 531 probably probably Pro- thing, probably yeah. just do, buy yeah, bitcoin just... If, buy bitcoin and do 531 <laughs> fuck <laughs> fuck <laughs> Right. Just come down to just do 531. I should have just done 531 the whole time. What was I doing? Uh, right, Johnny, what you got? What's number two? God damn it. <laughs> um, so this is, I think this is something I've heard you talk about before. You might have even done a, a video on this, Chris. But um, just the, the whole thing of like make every year when you make progress or you hit a new milestone or it's all, all numbers really, isn't it? Generally, or like achievements, things that happen. Um and they generally feel the same. Like I think especially money feels the same. So like this year in, in propane, we've hit like new arbitrary milestones that we've always wanted to hit. Or, you know, you hit hit a new low weigh-in or a new PB in the gym. Um and I was saying this to Becca, like it's getting to the end of the year. We've hit the targets we wanted to hit financially, but I feel just the same way as I did last year and the year before and the year before when I do this review process of like, but what's the next thing? Um and unless you're like 10 to 100 X your personal income, your life's going to be pretty much the same next year. Um, and there's a quote, it's a, something that I heard Paul Mort say, which is, I've never heard it. I've heard like this idea before, but never heard it a phrase like this, that the outcomes you hit are the, the rewards you get for running your system or for pressing play on your system. So like if you're just running this process all the time, you'll naturally just hit these arbitrary numbers and milestones um and so i think the 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 lesson or the thing that i always come back to when i look at this stuff is trying to just accept that like uh, certainly the way i'm wired i think a lot of people are wired is just by like little mini wins like little bits of progress are really all that matter so setting something that you quite like doing on a day or a week and then just care just care about the mini wins and almost forget about the like it's so hard at this time of year, isn't it? Because everyone's like, oh, I really want to hit. I want to get that promotion or I want the next milestone, whatever that is. 
um, and you forget about the like when you step on the scales and hit a new low weigh in for the week that doesn't matter because it's not the big number but actually it's really all that matters if you just you know, stay motivated really with just annoying that. about about that thing is that you never you never want to believe people that say that that have actually been there so because you always go oh no when, when i hit a million i'm like i'm definitely that, yeah. gonna be happy I, oh yeah it didn't make him happy but that's because whatever like yeah, but I, I remember I, watching yeah it, i remember watching ali abdul talk about when he first hit his million subscribers and million million dollars revenue for the year and and he was he would always talk very flatly about you know it's just hedonic adaptation like actually i was probably most happy when i first hit my 500th subscriber because that meant so much to me at the time and when i hit a million it was kind of like oh yeah well here we go or when i hit a million pounds and yet for some reason you look at that and you go no like i'll I'll be different it's stephen bartlett has a story about that that he brought up on the podcast he was saying the day that social chain got sold for some terrifying amount of money he was less excited than when he found 19 pounds down the back of a chicken shop uh (laughs) seat because his hedonic adaptation had kicked in and yeah it doesn't really matter how many times you hear this story you don't want to believe that it's true but man it's so fucking true It, it touches on a bunch of different things that i that again didn't quite make my list but uh like unbelievably important celebrating little wins giving yourself the um allowing yourself to actually have a celebration so me and dean got when we hit 100k we got balloons and we took photos it's a dumb thing but that we wanted to do it and it made us feel really fucking good and you're like yeah that's a thing that's a memory now we did it we worked really really hard i hit this goal and before i decide to set myself the next one and start obsessing about what's coming next Morgan Housel has a quote in The Psychology of Money where he says, the number one thing that you need to do to win the game is to stop moving the goalposts further away from you. Every single time that you hit a new financial goal, you then move the goalposts further away. Ben Hardy... Oh, that's nice, and then quickly yeah, move it straight away. Benjamin Hardy in The Gap and the Gain, which is The Gap and the Gain by Ben Hardy. is brand new. It's only come out about a month and a half ago. It's 160 pages. You can read it in a weekend, or you can listen to it, and it... it, it exclusively talks about this problem and he says that setting goals in this sort of a way is like running toward the horizon that every single step that you take your goal moves the same distance away from you and the problem is that we all love the byproduct that we get out of this that that not fear of insufficiency but that constant desire for more motivates us and continues to get us to move forward but like one of the lessons or the lesson that I had that didn't make the list, which is now making the list is, uh, is that the outcomes that you're going to get in life are going to come along for the ride. In any case, fearing about whether or not you're going to get them is a fucking pointless exercise that just annihilates your enjoyment in the moment. Like you are going to get to the place that you're going to get to based on the skills that you have and the work that you put in and the people that are around you and support you. And really that's probably not going to change if you decide to fret and be anxious and be really, really concerned about what's coming next and constantly think about what you're going to feel like when you hit this next goal. Or if you just do the thing, there is no difference between the man that obsesses over the thing and does the thing. Probably doesn't help. It probably negatively impacts your performance. Yeah. Well, that, so that's the thing that was kind of attached to this, which is just that ironically, the I have found like this is a bit woo woo. This and this is something I've spoken to you. Lunar about energy, but lunar energy exactly. No, um, the um, Hezbollah. Hezbollah. Yeah, but 
well, the, the as soon as you kind of i find as soon as you like accept that of like oh yeah the number's arbitrary it doesn't matter you just hit it anyway and actually it's easier to hit that way and and this has happened so consistently to me that i i almost don't even want to acknowledge it for fear of upsetting yeah. the woo the the, the the chi or something but like <laughs> the, the the more you're just like oh yeah i'll just how do i just like do all the things i need to do today and forget about everything else the then oh oh shit i've hit this new target that i had six months ago and i've not even really thought about it since then um we, but yeah the more you kind of worry like, about it like if you're looking for something in the house and you're like i, I know someone smart alex can be like oh well it's always in the last place you look because then you stop looking but I, what i mean <sighs> is you you you're looking for something and then you're like oh you know what forget it and it's and then immediately it turns up there's something to so, do with the ease and the grace that you go through life with for doing stuff like that I think this is a big part. John Viveki this year on the show really reminded me the importance of an embodiment practice, getting out of your head, just getting into sort of just feeling the way that life is. And Johnny Wilkinson on that high performance podcast, he's saying, find joy in the present moment. You know, washing the dishes is no more or less important than winning the World Cup final because if it's less important, that means that I am less important as a human when I'm not playing rugby. Am I less important now than I was then? No, I'm not. So... That's that pushes the the woo and the the like lunar energy even further than you, Johnny. But I don't know. I th- I think I think Yusuf's laughing because for about a week Yusuf thought that Johnny Wilkinson was Wayne Rooney. Did you really? I was like, wow, Wayne, Wayne Rooney is a really well. Could, I think I, in Wayne... my head, when you say the word Johnny Wilkinson, a picture of Wayne Rooney comes up in my head. <laughs> And I was thinking, yeah. wow, he's so erudite and so thoughtful, and and doesn't really sound manc at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you said to us, Chris, like, listen to the Johnny Wilkinson. And you said, listen to it. And he's like, wow. And then, like, is this Johnny Wilkinson? The photo of Wayne Rooney. Like, <laughs> I don't remember that. No, like, sports not my thing, but I know that that's not Johnny Wilkinson. <laughs> Fucking hell, yeah, man. I think that's that's like a an absolutely mega lesson. Whatever it is that you're trying to do, the outcomes are probably going to be the outcomes that you're going to get. And fretting and annihilating yourself and being neurotic about it en route to doing it changes literally fuck all about Mm. the outcome except maybe negatively impacting it and it ruins the entirety of your journey up there. The the analogy that um, Ben Hardy has is he says, you're climbing a mountain 99.9% 99.9% of the climb is the climb and only 0.1% is you standing on the top of it. But do you want to really hate all of that bit up there because you're terrified about the prospect of not making it to the top of the mountain? But but equally, like, no one summits Everest by accident, do they? Like, they don't just go, oh, yeah, I'll just have a crack at that. Like, how hard can that be? Like, they have a plan and execute it in the way that they Fucking and, like, hell. are very consistent. Did, did you watch Nims Purge's documentary, that 14 yeah. Peaks thing? Brilliant. shit the bed you watch that seth no worthwhile really really good Just watch hard hard bastard crazy uh gurkha <laughs> x special boat service uh special for british special forces guy uh holds the record for the highest the 14 highest death zone mountains in the world so the 14 mountains that are above eight thousand meters and the previous record was six and a bit years and he does all 14 in eight months. He does one of them on a, with a stonking hangover, like the worst hangover that anybody can believe in. And then he does three of them in 48 hours. He does like the three of them in Pakistan, gets this weather window and does K2 
which is the second highest, and something else and something else. And all of the climbing community are just they gobsmacked. They can't believe that this guy is a complete freak. The one that he does with the hangover is the most egregious of the lot. Something about the, the climbers um, are just missing a chip in their brain for fear, no fear. isn't it? No fear. There's, so I, two years ago, went up Helvellyn, right, which is basically a Bless hill you. comparably. <laughs> so that's 3,000 feet tall. Right. What's that? I don't meters? know what the height. Of, 950 meters. Okay, so so eight and a bit times that. Yeah. Okay, so I climbed up Palfellum, and honestly, for days afterwards, was wiped. <laughs> like it, I thought it was going to be not that bad. It was really difficult. Like people are listening and laughing. I wasn't. I'm not cardiovascularly in the best condition possible. But my God, is that harder than you think? And then I watched this guy do, like, on consecutive days, something eight times that. And the best bit was when he's, there's, like, all those climbers. The, the climbers, like, round the, the, the base camp of one of these mountains going, like, we can't do that, we can't do that, the weather's too bad. And he arrives and goes, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then the next morning just does it anyway. <laughs> just completely ignores them. Yeah, man. Be sick. Right, Seth, what have you got? What's your next one? So mine is just... It doesn't get easier, you just get better. I think we expect when we hit certain milestones that you'll somehow, like life will get easier as well, but it just just changes the, whether it's because we're changing the goalposts or just because you're just hit with new bouts of problems and qualitatively different types of admin at different stages. And I suppose that... um, relates to if you're you're building a business for example like uh, the problems that you would have in a 100,000 pound business are very different to what you'd have in a 10 million pound business or a 100 million pound business it's not necessarily that it's easier just because there's more money just because you've achieved what you think is the 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 metric that you're going for it's just that the types of problems change Sam Harris has a a really really good bit on this where he says um, people presume that one day they're going to have fixed all of their problems what did you think that one morning you were going to wake up and all of your problems would have been solved like playing a video game and arriving at a level where there's no more enemies there's no more landscape there's nothing to do yeah it's inbox zero for your entire life no your problems are going to be a part of life you're always going to have challenges how does it mean what, what do you what's the difference between getting better and and it being easier so for example, if if you lift weights, yes, like 100 kilos is going to feel easier. But now the challenge is 200 kilos. <laughs> and so and that feels just as hard, if if anything, probably more painful in some ways, because you, your skin hasn't got thicker. <laughs> your, your connective tissue isn't that much better. You know, so it's just that as, as you level up, yes, like what all you've done is you've made yourself stronger to deal with bigger and bigger challenges and you can coast you can you can stay out the previous ones you know it's equivalent to the guy who is just always benching 100 kilos never wants to in, in, increase it because he's just he's happy doing that fine all the power to you if you want to do that but um i suppose that it's, it's not a satisfying way to live life if you're always well within your capacity ed cohen is famous for giving that answer at seminars when people are like what does it feel like to squat a thousand pounds and he just says well what's your one rep max and they say 150 is like exactly the same 
is what it feels <laughs> like for you to squad 150. See, isn't that but yeah, so Yeah. But like, of course yeah. it is. <laughs> but so I suppose that it's just get like learn to enjoy the frustrations or learn to just accept the frustrations and the like whatever it feels like now is how it'll feel at whatever level you're at. And it's always going to. And so, yeah, I, I suppose the, the two lessons there are don't get complacent, but also don't expect to wake up one day and be like, oh, right, everything's solved now. And as I've gone up a level, there's no new problems at this level. It's it's not going to be yeah. an empty level. It's a series of different problems. All right, my one. Um, so this was uh, a bit less uh, productivity focused, but just... Opportunity cost is a mental model that most people will be familiar with. It's by going to the theme park, it means that you can't go to the gym. The cost of going to the theme park is the fact that you can't go to the gym. There is a choice between the two. That's the opportunity cost of you going to do a thing. So I felt like there was a an equivalent to do with uncompleted tasks. Uh, so I called it the anxiety cost. And I learned this by realizing that at the start of every morning when you wake up, your daily tasks reset. Let's say that every day you need to walk the dog and meditate and answer emails and do whatever, right? That resets every morning as soon as you wake up. The time that you spend throughout the day up until you do that task is filled with ruminative thoughts about the fact that you still need to go and do the task. What that means is the sooner that you can get that task done, the sooner you can feel relieved about the fact that you no longer have to think about it so the anxiety cost is the amount of time that you take up thinking about the fact that you haven't done a thing let's say that it's somebody's birthday coming up and you know that you need to buy them a present you could buy them a present right now and never have to think about the fact that you still need to buy them a present or you can wait for the next month and how many times are you going to think about the fact that you still need to buy them a present? You can mitigate, uh, you can negate and reduce the anxiety cost by just doing the thing that you need to do sooner rather than later. We all know someone who at uni would always leave the essays or the dissertation until like the absolute, yeah, the That's absolute me. last minute. <laughs> I, so not, not to blow my own trumpet or anything, but I, <laughs> I got my dissertation in like probably a month early. And I remember people were saying to me, oh, that you're so organized or motivated or whatever. And it's like, no, not really. I'm just avoiding the pain. Like I, we've got two types of pain I could experience here, either the anxiety cost or the all nighters. Well, anxiety cost and the all nighters and stuff or the trying to get it done a bit early. And, you know, you have long summers at uni where you're doing actually nothing. I think, <laughs> well, that's just time that you could be doing that. Like there's nothing special about that time where you can't be so yeah it's it, I, I don't think it's any more virtuous to do one over the other it's just what kind of pain do you want to experience i think this all the time about like i should just go to the gym in the mornings <laughs> i have this honestly all the time like it'll get to 4 p.m i'm like oh god why didn't i train earlier yeah yeah like I, i've got to do this big session i could have just done it this morning and now i could just continue doing the task that i'm doing that i'd quite like to finish but i have to stop because i'm going to do my gym session but the trouble is, like, you can apply that thing, that idea, to everything. So you have to you do know, like everything that. immediately. Well, yeah, like, I've got to write that email. I've got to make that phone call. <laughs> I've got to do that thing. I'll do it all now. So that's <laughs> where the negative pilot comes in. Yes. Yeah. Try doing nothing. Yeah. I've never taken the negative pilot, like, level 10, the, the frozen turkey just version, where I just do nothing. Nothing ever and <laughs> see what happens. happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, I do get well, that, was, man. I, I think... 
Oh, so uh, we, we know a family friend who just cancelled all of his direct debits and just waited for people to get back in touch with him because he looked <laughs> through his bank and he was like, oh, oh, there's too many and I don't know what goes where. Just blank cancel. Just blanket everything. And he said barely anyone got back in touch with him. So Wow. Probably got bailiffs coming to his door now, though. But yeah, take a bit of time. Yeah, after after a while, they they get the authorities involved, don't they? It's um that anxiety costs a big deal. But you're right. It, there's probably a limit to what you should apply this to. But with things, with things that are easy fixes, if it's a short time investment, you, the choosing a birthday present for someone is such a perfect example. It's like, look, it's going to take you five minutes for somebody you know, just someone that you need to get a little one for. It's going to take you five minutes to choose a choose a birthday present. Just fucking do it. Just do it now, immediately. Um, or paying a paying a parking fine, paying a parking fine, especially because the anxiety cost actually comes with a legitimate increase after two weeks in yeah. the amount of money that you need to pay. So that's that's perfectly correct. That's how it should be. If you leave it for two weeks, if you've left left the anxiety cost in there, pay double your prick. Well, then it becomes a real cost yeah so there's there's not the not just the anxiety cost but there's the risk of forgetting about the task just knowing in the back of your mind oh there was something i needed to do but i can't quite put uh got a letter yeah now it's 100 Fucking quid do it johnny what you got <laughs> is it not you sir? uh no, it's it is me oh so thank god oh, <laughs> the potatoes cooled down so this is in relation to the last couple of years but i think it applies to to most stuff and i've been really getting into a guy called z dog md who might be fun to get on the podcast actually zubin demaya demaya i was gonna say dobrovska or something um but he went through the the pandemic and the kind of polarized views on it and all of the sequelae that we're seeing from how people respond to it and we were saying the other day chris that there seems to be this weird tie-in now of like different ends of the political spectrum having like mixed in their views on virology. Yeah, I mean, well, how, how the fuck how the fuck it is that far left and far right have managed to agree on the same thing, which is that uh, big the, the the large farmer at the top of the tree is trying to kill everybody. Like, what the fuck do yoga moms and populist right wingers have in common? Oh, they all hate big farmer now, apparently. Yeah, it's it's become kind of baked into the actual identity. And I, and I remember seeing this because I'm politically completely apathetic and <laughs> I, I like to think that I'm quite evidence-based or at least empirical with the way that I look at things and obviously working as a doctor as well, you, you see much more of a clinical side of it. And I've been like, why have people gone so mental? Like what's, what, is, what switch has flipped in people? And actually this guy's that dog explains it really clearly, which is that people see everything through their moral lenses and it blocks their ability to see reality clearly and you'll be much more attuned with with this i've not read the righteous mind by jonathan Haidt, but he talks about the different moral taste buds and how each of those taste buds touches a different part of our palate and causes us to swing to one side of the the spectrum or the other and when we've got when we're faced with two choices basically over the last couple of years it it makes for a very harsh swing and then obviously that's reinforced by algorithms and echo chambers and all of that stuff too so i think having that maxim of 
just realizing that people only see things through their own moral lens gives you a bit more compassion for how people can get to such wacky conclusions. And this is wacky on both sides of the fence, right? There are people that, oh, yeah. are, that are so militantly pro-vaccine and so militantly anti-vaccine that both of those stances seem to lose a lot of the nuance because like anything that you're 100% or 0% on is is inevitably probably not because the world doesn't operate in that nobody should be able to say it, it at the very very best it's like 99.9 percent .9 versus 0.01 percent like that's that's where it is at the most extremes there's two two quotes that come up that that make me think about that that um Gerwin de Bogle taught me that a lot of ridiculous ideological views, again, moving away from like vaccine stuff, but just any ridiculous ideological view or extreme ideological view is a signal of loyalty to your own side and a signal of threat display to the opposing side. So it's not about the fact that you believe or don't believe. It's that this is a badge of honor that you need to wear in order to be a part of our group. And if you don't, then we know that there's something up with you. This is exactly it. And so now, even if you, the, the, the inner scientist in you says, oh, okay, well, based on the evidence, I think this is my conclusion. If that betrays the group that you're identifying with, suddenly it's a problem. You have to, you, you now have a choice, you have a moral choice of loyalty versus betrayal rather than truth versus false, which, which is ridiculous. And, well, it also impacts the, your ability to do sense making yourself, right? That you don't yeah, know, you, your your um, emotions start to feed into your own ability to be rational. And you go, well, I don't actually know what I think about this anymore. I, I'm, I'm genuinely unable to separate out what I think factually from what I feel emotionally. Well, what's interesting is that, just to run through, I've got the, the six moral taste buds here. And as you hear them, you'll be like, oh, actually, I can see how COVID will have completely touched on everyone's trigger buttons with each with each of these there's care versus harm fairness versus cheating loyalty versus betrayal authority versus subversion sanctity versus degradation and liberty versus oppression it's all each of them. one of those big trigger <laughs> buttons for yeah <laughs> for people especially COVID in america COVID 101 fuck i've never read that i need to the righteous mind sounds like a good um a good one to add on to the endless list of books that I'm never going to read. I, I just assumed you had because you're, you're no. Mr. So uh, the Jonathan Haidt book that I love is the Happiness Hypothesis. That's the one that I got through this year, which was fucking outstanding. Yeah, man, that's um, that's a serious one. That's a really. There's a guy that posts on my that I've met a couple of times. You know who he is, Yusuf. We've met him. I'm not going to say his name. In my in my mind, not the person you're thinking of. In my mind, like a very intelligent guy. I was very Darren Brown. Quite, a, yeah, quite, <laughs> uh, <laughs> quite like middle of the road views and all that sort of stuff. But like everything he posts at the moment is basically comparing um, the vaccine rollout to Auschwitz. Seriously. And like making some really, and I was saying this to Becca the other day, like it makes me, it, I can feel the things that he's posting slowly make me think like, do I need to like reconsider how I feel about all this stuff? Because this guy is like so convinced and someone will ask him a question beneath, like just a question and he attacks them. And then like all of his friends, like attack the person too. And you're like, what did like, what has this guy seen that, that I, like he's convinced that this is Nazi Germany. And, and I'm, I've, I've got my booster book tomorrow. Like what, 
like, how, how has this happened? Like, these are people who, like, ostensibly totally normal two years ago, and suddenly something has right. just pressed all the buttons. Well, and the same thing goes. The, the, the same thing goes for people that are pro mandate. Like, I really, really struggle to understand how somebody can be pro mandating a population to take for for a disease which doesn't have the anywhere near the sort of mortality that you need to think about mandating something for. I, I use this example on a, a debate which is never actually going to get aired, but I said, can you imagine, give yourself a, a thought experiment where this disease has 100% mortality of all females. Would you support a vaccine mandate in that case? It's like everybody would. Everybody would say, yeah, the army gets to come in and hold you the fuck down. Because the alternative is the end of human civilization and every female on the planet dies. So it's not a difference of kind. It is just a difference of degree. I understand that there's a spectrum, but we're nowhere near the threshold that that should have. So for me to think like, what does it, what is it like for someone to believe that you should mandate people to take a medical procedure to get a vaccine? I'm like, fucking hell. Like, that's another situation that I can't get my head around, but people have gone down both of these rabbit holes. Well, and the fact that you've now shied away from 100% on either side, you're kind of somewhere in the middle now. Well, now you're the enemy of everyone. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the Sam Harris problem, right? That out on the extremes, yeah. you get agreement from your own side, but in the middle, you get disagreement from both. Like, I think James Smith posted something on his story the other day about, like, it's fine to not get the vaccine, but if you end up in a bed in ICU, then you're a expletive. Um, and everybody like jumped on him um, as like, how dare you say that? Like that doesn't. He's just saying that. Because like, what's he saying there? Really, actions have consequences. That's yeah. That's all he's well, saying. I think everybody would agree that like a lot of people who don't smoke get annoyed that like smokers take up a lot of hospital care or that you know that's why there's like extra taxes on these things. But people don't like that argument when it's applied to something that's like a choice that you. You get a text from Chris, Chris Whitley about it, and you know, you're like, it's bomb, but it's all over the TV. It feels, um, I mean, people but, keep on bringing up, and, and rightly so, people continue to use the uh, fat people. Uh, there's a, most of the people that are getting hospitalized are overweight, or a lot of the people that have huge comorbidities are overweight. Should we penalize people that are fat when they decide to go into the NHS as well? And the only real difference that you can see, again, it's not a difference of kind, it's just a difference of degree, is that the decision to be thin takes a lot of time whereas the decision to take a vaccine is an immediate one so all that it is is just the ease the people that are pro uh, that are saying um somebody that is uh unvaccinated shouldn't be given this hospital bed but the person that's fat should be given this hospital bed with their fucking diabetes to lose their leg or whatever it is that they're getting the only difference that that person has there in their head is that getting fat is something that's far easier to do somehow and it happens over time i don't know and people that, always that's the like, kind of question oh it, the, that's, it, that's the kind of thing they ask in med school interviews like you've got three patients and two beds you know one of them's a child with cancer one of them's a convict that's come out of prison for doing this and he's a smoker and then the third one's a heroin addict like which one do you give the bed to and what's the relative like life extension that you can provide for each of these people and, and you've got to kind of talk through the different moral um decision making matrices it's like the trolley problem with ai you're like what, who do you run over but yeah. like the people who um you know people say oh like it you know fat people are the problem because they like they shouldn't be fat i think it's that you know if it was suddenly everybody who has less than five thousand pounds in their current account 
dies of COVID or everybody who gets less than seven hours of sleep dies of COVID or mm. every, you know, you could pick, everyone's got a thing that they're a bit shit at that comes down to like, <laughs> but, that, that, like it's poorly managed, but you know, there's, there might be someone who's, who's overweight, but is very successful financially or has a really immaculate house or, you know, whatever. So you, you just like pick something that happens to be the thing that you're not and go, Oh, it's all their fault. And that's, that's their problem. That's, but that's a, good like to, a good way to, a good way to put it. The thing that the most annoying group, and this is, it doesn't matter whether you're pro or anti-vaccine, are the people that are so militant to jump on debates online. Like, those are the people that COVID should have got. Those are the ones that it should have fucking killed. The people that decide to take the most extremist, outlandish, like, totally bombastic view and immediately start spurting out their opinion, whether it's well-informed or not. Bro, this is not the hill that I want to fucking die on. So get out of my comment section. Like I do not care enough. And 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 people think that this is this is some sort of a stand that you're really really going to give a shit about. It's like, dude, I don't give a fuck about your half-baked cod psychology opinion about why this is actually happening. To, to be drawn into this thing that's actually like there are bigger problems in our day-to-day lives that we need to sort out. Sort your fucking relationship with your daughter out. Like, how about that? How about that? There it is, the, the Williamson surgical, <laughs> surgical rinse. Surgical incision. Moving on, Scalpel. Johnny, what have you got? Scalpel out. Um, my, so one of the things I realized this year was that, and this is a, a business, I guess this only really applies to business owners, I suppose, Um some of our like best weeks and months were either when I wasn't online at all, so I was away, or I worked less for whatever reason, which makes me feel like I make things worse, firstly. Like when I'm trying hard, it it is worse. Um, but also just, I think, a reminder that, um, I guess, like as a, I think I heard, uh, heard Jeff Bezos say like, he considers himself to be paid to make like one to three decisions a day, like one to three high quality decisions a day. And I think as some, if you're in charge of something, either in charge of a team or you run your own business or whatever you're trying to do, like really the thing that you, that moves you forward is just having a few hours of like clear energy filled headspace to make some decisions and do a few key things and actually like constantly trying to push the boulder up the hill all the time often just makes it worse. And I'm always, we had a, a quote that Yusuf will know that what I'm referring to, that was a, a business mentor of ours, said something like, you know, you're, as, a, as a business owner, you're like a, you're like someone in the SAS, you're like in through, in through the window, kill the target and get out again. Like don't like sit on the sofa for five hours. And I think it's so easy to do, fill your, fill your days with things that don't necessarily matter when it's just the few things you could have done. Do you think that this is a byproduct of people that are small business owners and entrepreneurs that have started things from the ground floor up because they have that sort of um, fire, firefighter putting out the small problems, operations first, I'm going to do the logistics, I'm going to fix the problem. Like that's what all three of us have grown up running businesses as the guy that the book stops with. And I, oh, I, I wonder oh, yeah. how much of that is is kind of programming from from how we came up. Yeah, for, for, the, for the first couple of years of us running propane, like we were doing the marketing, the accounts, the the delivery, the yeah, making the logo, like posting on Facebook, or just literally like you are the entire HR. You know, you you're the entire suite of departments, aren't you? As 
when I have a problem, I email HR, which is Yusuf, and then he forwards it to me. <laughs> to deal with. <laughs> to deal with. If we've got um, like a, a to- toxic culture problem in... Uh... Toxic work culture. It's horrendous. Yeah. Um, it's an awful, awful place to work. But yeah, like so this idea that like Monday, having a busy Monday, an overly busy Monday, working too long, on too many hours on a Monday that impacts your Tuesday, which impacts your Wednesday. And I think just as woo as it sounds, protecting the the energy and the the the, the headspace you have above other things, because actually doing like two hours of, of focused work on something, or even just two hours of thinking in a day, is more important than spending all day in your inbox. I can't remember um, who it was that I was. Like, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that was, that was it. I I can't remember who it was that said that. If you look at the role of a, a business owner or a CEO, like specifically what they actually do, they're a hard to replicate complex decision engine. So that's what the the value is. That's why the person at the very very top of the tree gets paid so much because they can aggregate all of this data, both objective, subjective qualitative quantitative the felt sense all of that stuff right they just aggregate all of this shit that's going on and they like and they just spurt out a single answer at the end of it and the presumption is that that answer is the right one like that they're a complex a hard to replicate complex decision engine and that is why you know as you go further and further down the chain of command people are it's easier to find a cleaner that knows how to clean than it is to find a ceo that knows how to ceo because that cleaner's skills are more replaceable than the ceos are because they're very very specialized into this particular business at this particular point in time within that market within this nation within these market conditions blah 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 yeah yeah Um, all right uh my one my one so this was from a fail actually from this year it's a lesson from a fail so my personal goal for this year was to reduce my screen time on my phone and by any metric that you want to choose like i just haven't done it i just haven't been able to (laughs) to reduce screen time uh by a a substantive amount I, i did it for the first quarter and then maybe for the first half of the year i was making okay progress and then that just turned into not okay progress and then while i was out in texas that screen time ticked up more because i was spending more time uh like away from other people which meant that in order to get in contact with them blah 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 uh, and it came back to realizing while i was away in texas although screen time had ticked up while i was in the house overall it had actually gone down and that reminded me that focus on building a life that creates the habits you want so you can turn notifications off on your phone and sleep with your phone outside of your bedroom and go grayscale and do all of the things right and do all of the things or you can live a life that makes you not want to look at your phone. Like yeah. you can try and use James Clear's motivation framework in order to build up a habit of going to the gym and you'll do one push-up today and two push-ups tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. Or you can just find a training regime that you really, really enjoy in a group of people that you want to do it with and you're going to go to the gym as a byproduct of the life that you've created. I think a lot of the time we take a very uh, like hermetically sealed, semi-autistic view of the solution to do this, which is to kind of brute force it through the correct process or whatever it might be. But people have fluked the same outcome, the same sort of process-built life outcome that you're looking for simply by the life that they go through. 
you know, there'll be tons and tons of people out there who are very, very fit simply because they play a team sport that they love and they can't imagine not playing that team sport. Like, they have created a life that builds the habits that they want. And a lot of the time, it isn't even about habits. Like, we don't know the habits that we really, really want. It's that we have an outcome goal that we want and we presume that those habits are going to get us toward it. It's like, I want to be fit. I want to be stronger. I want to look good. I want to do whatever. Okay, there are a million fucking ways that you could get through that. I want to earn more money. I want to do whatever it is that your goal is. Just trying to create a life that helps foster that. You know, who are the people that you're spending your time around? What's the sort of daily routine that you've got? What are the sort of things that you consume in terms of news sources and content and stuff like that? Those things will direct your life far more, I think, than trying to, or at least equally as much as trying to brute force your way through some habit process quite hard to compete with the guy who's having fun correct correct it's what it's what like crossfit does for most people right like you know you see crossfitters who are just shredded and really strong and they don't even really train they don't like they don't really do anything with their diet or like train for strength necessarily they just love crossfit and like five years later they're in great condition jacked out of their minds and fit and mobile they just enjoy crossfit and it's very i think yeah it's, it's finding the the, the the difficulty is because a phone, I think for a lot of people, me included, is this like it's a filler thing. It's not, you know, when people say, oh, like what was Yusuf's point of, you know, look how many hours you have on your screen time and that's time you could be spent doing something else. It feels because you don't have the four hours or whatever screen time in a chunk at the start of the day. It feels very hard to say I'm going to stop that. So, so it's a, CrossFit's the perfect example of that. Because you've got someone who, like, for CrossFit programming is chaotic by by definition. But if you just nail it and just train really hard and do a lot of stuff, spend more time doing the actual thing, then you're going to outperform someone who's, like, meticulously trying to, like, mm. over-optimize his programming. But Practice their is... <laughs> ring, ring something. Or, yeah. But actually, they just do CrossFit. You, you right. had the best... Uh, life hack around this Yusef which is to have a different holding pattern activity we all have those moments where we're waiting for 90 seconds for something what is it that we default to and almost always it's I'll get my phone out of my pocket I'll pick my phone up it's frightening because that has got to be such a large chunk of our screen time yeah you're waiting for you're waiting in the line at the supermarket what is it that you default to you're waiting jumping jacks yeah, well, so just, just thinking of something else that you could have. So for me, it's been the solution for that has been to put a Kindle on my desk. So, for instance, exporting the, the amount of time, it takes me probably about an hour a week to export files of, of different manners, maybe even more, actually, maybe sort of upwards of two hours. And it just means that when I export files now, I just get, I get the Kindle out and I'll just read what, whatever's on there. So that's a new holding pattern activity. Problem is that I don't have the Kindle with me when I'm in a supermarket or when I'm waiting to get my tires changed at fucking Quick Fit or whatever it might be. Um, I had a I'd- client who used to, once a week, he would move the Kindle app on his phone to where his Instagram was. So he would like, you know, you find, <laughs> it's amazing. So like you'll move something, you're like, oh, I've really, I've really tricked myself here. I've hidden it in a folder on the third screen. And then before you know it, you've got this like slick move where you flick to the folder and open Instagram before you know what's happened. Yes. But if just once a week, you just have a reminder to just move Kindle to where Instagram is. Yeah. Before you know it, you're in Kindle. You've got to keep like outdoing yourself. Yeah. So I think like you could view it as well. How do imagine if I turned 
a third of my screen time into reading time mm. like is screen time still bad no well that's the problem that's what uh, tristan harris says exclusively right the, his issue isn't with screen time it's with what screen time is used for yeah. if you could have it be really mindful and have people's retrospective uh, assessments of how they spent their screen time be really really happy and whatever but it's not for the most part when people look back on the way that they spent their time on their phone they don't feel too good about it they don't feel like it added very much to their life they don't i mean fucking when me and george were in dubai last year there was a girl who showed us her screen time and it was 12 hours a day consistently 12 hours a day and eight hours of that was on tiktok unbelievable there was a four hour session on tiktok one time so does she do it while she's eating or does she i don't know i can't remember it's i it made me feel so uncomfortable that i had to exit the conversation (laughs) genuinely that tiktok is some kind of psyops from china what to downregulate what everyone said it wouldn't surprise me i mean whilst we are spending eight hours a day on tiktok China is restricting their under 18s to only be able to play video games between 8 and 9 p.m. three days a week. Mm. Yeah, they're up to something. Feels like, they, feels like they know something we don't. <laughs> yeah. I've heard, um, I think we've discussed Frank Yang before. He's a guy that used to be, like he was a fitness YouTuber, got really into meditation, like really way off the deep end. But he's he's been on like loads of retreats, does multiple hours of meditation a day. And um, I've heard him talk about breaking. He has completed it. I've heard him talk about breaking bad habits or trying to like adjust his behavior and how he tried for years to stop like random arbitrary things. And that, that he f- always felt like that was just changing the, what was on the screen. Like it's just, it's changing the channel, but it's still, there's still a TV with a, with a, there's something playing and actually you have to change the screen itself or like become the screen. I'm guessing <laughs> so, that meditation but, was his solution for that. Yeah. So, but I, that feels to me like the, if there's like the master reset of like, I want to stop looking at my phone, how do I handle that? It's like, well, surely becoming aware of the process of picking my phone up is the way to do it. But that's like a th- multi-thousand hour process, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. creating a life, creating a life where you, you, you often go and do something fun that makes you not look at your phone might be a, a quicker solution at least. Easier in, way. Yeah, I'll yeah to, to do it alongside. Okay, so we said that we were also going to get uh, a life hack, a favorite life hack or two that we'd had from the year and uh, go through those. Did you get, did you both choose one or two? Yes. I, I was geared up for a, a final reflection of the, oh, of the year. Oh, it can, is. Um, so this is one that I've learned from Johnny because Johnny is an absolute slut with opting into people's marketing funnels and <laughs> all that kind of thing. It's terrible. And actually, can't get it. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I, I love it. I just love it so much. <laughs> Mr. Hot, Promiscuous. sticky email notif- e- email sequences all over my face. Exactly. And the, the lesson from that is actually, this is really valuable, that if you observe how you buy things, that teaches you how to sell. Because quite often we, we work with personal trainers to move online and help them with their online marketing. And quite often you'll see people like, make their first attempt at marketing and you're like whoa weird like why are they suddenly gone from being a normal person to just suddenly really weird and it's because they think it's this like different special skill and special voice that you have to put on and all this stuff and actually if you just notice how you buy things and what it is that causes you to buy or what causes you to opt into someone's funnel and then at some point to be like oh right that's it i'm buying it like and noticing those moments 
then you're like, oh, well, it's very clear now because you see the internal problems forming and then looking for a solution and finding who is able to solve that problem for you and then you buy. So, yeah, the opting into marketing funnels and email lists and things can be that's, valuable in That's itself. slightly different though, right? Because what Johnny's doing there is seeing how other people do things. That's not necessarily based on why he buys. But I think that that's like an amazing solution for somebody that wants to sell something you are the business the business is going to need to reflect your personality at least in part because that's what's going to make it unique so why not if you're the person that you're selling to or you're the person that's writing it it why not try and think about what triggers you to buy yeah and you're, you're right it's a slightly different habit i suppose other people out there might not want to sign up to 10 email sequences a week just so that you can see if there's any good fun funnel hacking secrets in there. I kind of, I just kind of believe that you should like t participate in the, in the system that you want to benefit from. So like I, I allow <laughs> every app to track me. No ad blockers. I allow every app to track, opt into everything, buy, buy, buy from other coaches. I just think the more I give the system, the more it'll give back to me. That's, you've that's, got well, full proven, fucking lunar science. energy. Proven science. <laughs> The other thing there is that you do see people who are like they hit hit a certain level with their advancement of training and they go, oh, I'm not hiring a coach me because I'm dead advanced and that. And it's like, what what's your job again? Coach. OK, so Eric Helms pointed this out to us. He was like, put your hand up if you if you have a coach. And like some people did. And he was like, OK, so the people that don't, what you're saying there is that what you do as a job has no value. It's like, yeah. ah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Right. 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 Right then. Let's fucking let's go on let's go on uh life hacks. Let's go life hacks. Johnny. I've had a problem. What's the problem? So I keep all my life hacks in an omnifocus list. And normally you can see the things that have been ticked. However, recently, because I have so many things in my omnifocus, they had to be archived. And you can't access so, the archive. I can't work out how to access the archive. I do, however, have, I'm not sure whether I've mentioned this, but I have one that's top of mind that I can say. Hit it. How about that? Have I mentioned moments on the Waking Up app before? No. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> so I think I, I think I may have said it to Yusuf, but I don't think I've life hacked it cool. formally. Oh, so you're right. Formal submission, formal submission for life hacks. So Sam Harris's app, Waking Up, which I, th I think we must have mentioned before. Yep. Two cool things about it. One, I think this is something I said to you ages ago, Chris, but I wish that there was like a ROM one for meditation, like a daily session for meditation. Sam Harris's hat, hat. Sam Harris's Sam Harris's hat. Sam Harris's <laughs> app has that, which is the first cool thing. The second thing it has is something called Moments, which is at random, if you turn it on at random inter intervals throughout the day, it prompts you with a push notification to listen to like a one minute audio to just help you like in improve the general mindfulness in your day so it might be like spending a minute thinking about death for example which i know sounds incredibly morbid but actually when you're like stressed about something or like caught up in a task and you're like oh, actually you know what it's not really that important very very useful and they're always random so it'll be like at 10 a.m or just before you go to bed or whatever and if you just have a commitment to yourself that no matter what it is when it is i'll just listen to the one minute thing 
so useful. You get to so choose how many moments you have per day, right? I don't think so. I think it's just all on Sam. In Sam, we trust. Oh, right. I thought that you got to choose. Well, I, so I've signed up to waking up. I've been using it. My, my meditation practice has been all over this year. So I signed up to, to waking up. I actually bought one of my mum's Christmas presents was a, a year's membership to waking up as well. That's brilliant. That's a nice present. So it's just you can choose when you have the moments from. So starting okay. at yeah. 9 and ending at 10, and then you can turn it on or turn it off. It doesn't do it at 3 a.m. Like, wake up, right. Think about that. Give him, give him. Fucking hell, Sam, mate. 3 a.m. Uh, cool. Like, like Johnny's that. Apple Watch that said, it's 4 a.m. You've been sat down too long. Time to, <laughs> time to uh, So I had uh, two of mine of my favorite life hacks of the year. These weren't supposed to be new ones, but I appreciate the new one. Uh, two of mine are actually Johnny submitted life hacks, which is if there was ever a better way to show that the life hacks system works. It's that I do things and they're the most valuable things and I've taken them from the show. Uh, so my two of my favorites from this year were uh, use creatine tablets to avoid ever dosing your creatine. Like it's an absolute game changer. Yeah. Johnny's doing the, like <laughs> French man's kiss. It is. It's bellissimo. I know that's bellissimo. not, uh, it's not French. Uh, yeah, it's just such a hack. You, it, remembering to put creatine, two scoops, strawberry, remembering to put that in your shake is impossible. But having the tablets, it just goes in with everything. Else. You, do you forget to take your multivitamin? No, you do not. Do you forget to take your creatine? Yes, you do. Okay, put the tablets. Personally, if you want to do this, the uh, micronized creatine uh, from uh, my protein come in plastic capsules, which are much more... Uh, comfortable to swallow than the normal creatine which is uncoated and kind of like horse big horse tablet thing so you, you're <laughs> so nodding like to, you know the problem johnny well, it's like you're trying to swallow a biscuit isn't it <laughs> they're big like you can't they're can't big old boys well they're one gram each disc <laughs> um so the first one was creatine tablets and the second one is clearway to think that only a year ago i didn't use clearway is unbelievable it's it's the best protein that I've ever found in my entire life by by so far that it, thinking about all of the time that we've had like milky it's a it, how how do you even make something milky when it's mixed with water like how is that even possible and now you have this whole new world which is juice it, it's, it's so there we are creatine tablets in clearway my top two from this year Jonathan I'm, Watson I'm thank you very much. Supplements have come such a long way. Like, do you, do you remember casein caseinate? This is not not micellar casein. That's the new generation two, much nicer. Still, still tastes like sand, but casein caseinate was a lump of like clay in your shaker, and you'd shake it, and it would go boom, boom, boom on the top yeah. and bottom of your thing. I've thrown that up so many times now. It's like when people describe like Malibu, and they say, "Oh, I can't drink Malibu anymore because I had a I had a bad vomity experience." Like casein caseinate is the same for you. Oh, well, you could have put yeah, some I mean, blueberry extract in it, which would have fixed all of your problems. Garlic and mushroom extract <laughs> with some apple fiber or something. Yeah, or some horny goat weed. Right, what's yours, Seth? What have you got? This actually won't apply to people who have listened this far into the episode, but one of my big difficulties with podcasts is 
people recommend some to me and I go, oh, great, I'll stick it on the list. But then with the previous apps I used to use, it was a linear queue. And so if you skip the episode, you can't go back to wait to pick up where you left off. So I've started using Spotify now for podcasts. And the My Episodes feature is great because the search feature on Spotify is second to none. You can search for episode or or show and it comes up on the thing. And then you can just say one button, bang it into My Episodes. Then you have a queue that you can kind of tap us. So it keeps your spot in all the episodes you've been listening to. So you don't have to abandon an episode forever if you if you want to nudge something up the queue and come back to it or if you're like oh you know what i'm not really in the mood to listen to an existential crisis uh interview today but i want to hear the latest life hacks from prep and fitness and modern wisdom then you know it's it's like then you can kind of dip in and out so spotify for podcasts brilliant dude i it's fucking great like i i'm still not fully over from apple podcasts but that's more habitual than it is platform limiting now i've not used the apple podcast app in years but i see people on like the forums just furious about it being like how come like this still isn't bug still isn't fixed and still such and a they're trying app. to go deeper as well they're, they're putting subscribe so you can have through apple pay you can um gate subscriber only content for paid members um and so you've got like an internal way to create whatever patreon and stuff like that you think why not improve the search function apple uh but anyone that is listening anyone that is listening especially if you're on spotify but even if you're not if you've got spotify on your phone open spotify go to modern wisdom and give us five stars please because they've just enabled reviews on spotify for podcasts so oh, if you great. can go and give us five stars, you don't even have to write anything. There's not even a space to write something. So just go and give us five stars because for a very long time, I've worked quite hard to build up the Apple podcast reviews and now I have a new platform that I need to try and dominate. So go so, do that right so now. So it's a separate ecosystem for reviews then. They don't link with the feed or with No, 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 no. It's just on, it's on, it's like how many subscribers have you got on YouTube? <laughs> that doesn't correlate with how many subscribers you've got on Spotify or whatever. Yeah, totally separate. We probably have never mentioned this as a life hack, but Spotify in general, Spotify premium, I think is worth every penny. Like, I think I would pay 10 times the amount to retain my access to Spotify. Dude, YouTube premium. YouTube premium is as much of a... It's better than Pakistani version where you use a a VPN and you get it for 17p. Yeah, that's Argentinian. It's 89p. it's, It's as big of a change. So here's the thing, right? This is whatever it was, the negative pilot you really only know about the gains that you've made in life when you see someone else that doesn't have those gains or when you revert back to a lower resolution version of life that has you without that. When you go onto someone's Spotify on their phone and you realize that they don't have premium. So I was in a gym. Hey, it's Billie Eilish. You're listening to the top hits. Danny was really happy with the house that he found in Gosforth. And it yeah, we, the volume of the songs. We were fucking in in the on it gym the other day, and the coach that had the music on was ha- was getting fucking pinged with like Clavio ads partway through. Clavio believes that you need to own your customer data, and you're like, right, that that is how it feels to me when I watch someone on YouTube press on a video and then them have to skip two ads of seven seconds in length. Disgusting. Straight- see, it, vi- it violates my principle, which is. 
participate in the system that you want to benefit from. So if I run YouTube ads... Why aren't you running Spotify ads then? I mean, I've just never even explored it. If you started running Spotify ads, would you feel that you had to cancel your Spotify premium? Good question. Good question. Not sure. I would be at at an an impasse. (laughs) 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 I wouldn't know what to do. Maybe do like one month on, one month off or something like that. I'll periodize it. Perfect solution, yeah. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, but, and, go on. What are you saying? Well, I didn't do my thing about the the program. Oh, okay. tell us your thing about the no, program. Okay. Come on, hit us. No, hit us. Okay. That's okay. With... <sighs> no, okay. Well, you, neither of you have probably seen. Have either, either, have either of you seen Don't Look Up on Netflix? I actually have. Wow. Are you fucking kidding me. <laughs> yes. How have you seen it and I haven't seen it? I'm so current. I just you oh. are, yeah. That and go. Craig this David. <laughs> Craig uh, David and Wayne Rooney. I've heard. So, <laughs> as someone that hasn't seen it, what I've heard is that it's a, a, a comment against the sort of woke, progressive, crazy climate activism world, and that people are feeling very satisfied by watching it, and it's also fun and 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 funny. So interestingly, I got to the end of it. I was having a shower afterwards and I thought, I really need to do more on the like the climate change front. Really? Seriously. Wow. Yeah. I'm I'm unable I'm, to comment here. I can't say anything. Yeah, I, I'm just like fucking switching. To, to be honest, I'm I'm also not sure how that was so, the conclusion that took you well, to. So I think you know, Yusuf, you've seen it. Yeah. We, so throughout it, I imagine you had this underlying sense of slight frustration that no one was taking the people seriously. Uh, and they're all going like, hello, everybody, have you seen the, like, this massive problem? Everyone's going like, ah. and I, I think like what my view of what it's trying to get across is that like we're in that situation now. It's just less defined Obvious. and clear. Yes. And that only only actually towards the end of the program, I'm trying to spoil it for Chris. Only towards the end of the program does it become obvious and clear, and then everyone's like, ah, "Well, I mean, the same." God. So, why don't we? If if that's the case, if we're concerned about climate change, what the fuck about artificial intelligence? That's one that you literally can't see and is irreversible. So it's the to it's be honest, the same. It, it problem. could be relating yeah. to any of them. Yeah, or yes. I, I thought existential risk COVID. at large. Yeah, COVID. I thought that's what they were commenting on initially. Because right. there's a lot of parallels with COVID or with Trump or well, yeah, Leonardo I mean, Leonardo DiCap is big in the old climate change world, right? He didn't he he is, use yeah, a, his Oscar or Glo- Golden Globe uh, speech a little while ago to just point his finger at people that drive cars or something. He was basically the reason I watched it. I think like you, you Jonah Hill's like, Jonah Hill's fucking pretty big dick as well. Most of the stuff he's he is, is good, but, but Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't make very many films. Like it's quite rare that Leonardo DiCaprio gets a film. Yeah, he's not Nicholas Cage, is he? Yeah, or like a Bruce Willis, who's still, or um, Liam Neeson, who's just still I feel like pumping him out. Quality is just just dropping and dropping. Like guys, just, just stop, just fucking give stop it up. Doing. But yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't know. Um, the trouble is, like, what do you do about AI? That's the that's you the know? defeatist like, what, attitude that everybody has about it. 
Well, no, no. I'm, I'm okay, so lobby, what, what we really need is to lobby for oversight the same way as we have with regards to nuclear weapons, the same way as we have now to do with Synbio, so synthetic bio, uh, biology and bioweapons. You can't sequence the genome of a known pathogen on a tabletop uh, creator and anything which is slightly dangerous gets sent up for review. So the way that it works is that someone can't just buy a genome sequencer and then fucking create, recreate smallpox, right? Download the smallpox genome from the internet and then recreate it. You can't do that because you have oversight from a central body. Now, we need something that's so much more serious than that to do with the research around AI because the control problem, which is how do you make sure that the AI does the thing that you want it to do and not turn you all into paperclips, that needs to be fixed before you have the AI. But the incentives are completely reversed to that. The incentives are, okay, we get the AI, we make it work and we'll deal with the problems when it arises because the it's winners the and losers. The worst thing to, to do at the time. Precisely, the yes. Is there not the, yeah. There's the problem of like, I can't remember who spoke about this, but the idea that like you're building a house and when you lay the foundations and you build the first layer and you build the first layer, it all looks fine, completely fine, no problems, no one flags it. And then you get like 20 stories up and you're like, oh shit, that thing that we did on le level two, everything's going to collapse. And you only realize once you're 20 levels up that the thing that you built. So there would be a layer, sunk cost fallacy to programmers that realize that they may be. Well, no, it's just it's just too late. So like the, the approval oh, okay. process that everything gets approved, 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 approved. Like, oh, my God, the thing that seemed fine is now. Not, and then it's a big fucking it's, it's a big fucking problem and not enough people are massive. talking about it. Anyway, gentlemen, books. 2021, we've completed it. Like literally, actually, genuinely yeah, have completed done. it. Uh, thank you for joining me this year on some awesome episodes. Lots and lots of life hacks. Lots coming up as well over the next couple of weeks. Uh, guests that everyone can expect. Steven Pinker, uh, Andrew Huberman, Bridget Fettersy, uh Can't say a couple of other ones because I haven't announced them yet, but they will be very, very, very large. And I'm looking forward to it. But thank you. You will continue to be a staple part of the furniture. Uh, people want to check out what it is that you do. Where should they go? Propinfitness.com. If you want a calculator for fat loss and stuff. Propinfitness.com forward slash modern wisdom. If you want to build an online business. I love it. Gentlemen, happy new year. Merry Crimbo. And thank you to Hospital. Hospital.